Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Midweek Waffle. We live F1. Hi, welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. Welcome to Midweek in the Shed, a bit of waffle from me and Matt Trumpets. I just missed Matt so much that we had to get him on for a chat. How's it going, Matt? Hold them horns! You're rocking out. You're rocking out to a bit of Fall into Flux. Yeah, I couldn't resist. So after after responding to an email we had in the week that said, could you do a Midweek News Podcast... And I said, no, we definitely don't have time for that. I just happen to be in the shed. You happen to be online. So let's let's have a chat and find out what your overall impression of that race was. Uh, I will say I found it to be very different to watch the race without trying to write the report at the same time. It was a very different experience. And in particular, I know you want to talk about strategy a little bit, but the, the thing that struck me most overall is watching the Red Bull chassis, uh, whatever, you, because it was on my big monitor, because it's just the sweeping camera shots they use. I don't know. But I think that Red Bull may have done a flyer in terms of their chassis and mechanical setup over Mercedes at this point. Yeah, so the the Red Bull is like extremely raked. It's extremely far forward. But interestingly, we've been hearing whispers about a virtual test track. So it might not just be... Their chassis has improved, but they've also improved like their rolling gear, their suspension, and they're really kind of prepped and ready for 2017. Right. Well, one of the things we've known from watching the Mercedes, and particularly if you remember, there's a, a picture on Twitter from about two weeks ago by, I want to say Patrick Fox. There was a bit of um, kerfuffle about it, but I, I came to it through one of Badger's reporters, interestingly enough. Uh, Summers was on this too, that showed the Mercedes with what looked like to be a tight panic level of roll to it yeah yeah sparking off the pavement and you're looking at the how far the chassis is rolled and you're how is that even possible well the way it's possible is because they basically they're running hydraulics front and rear they're not interconnected front and rear because that's against the regulation no frick but but they have and what they are able to do is tune those hydraulics to the specific characteristics of the circuit on which they are running that takes a lot of running And Mm. what supposedly I think Red Bull have is the ability to do this in a basement with the engine on on a dyno or attached to it. So they basically got what would amount to maybe being a rolling road that lets them tune mechanically. See, where does that chassis. where does that put them with the no testing or and the wind tunnel type restrictions? I, I well, first of all, they couldn't they could not run arrow on if they were running arrow on that uh, at all that would be exceedingly that would that would be almost ferrari haas levels of bending the interpretation of the rules i would have to say allegedly no that fan that's there to cool us down that's just there for the cooling systems gov honestly yeah but i think that but also i think what it may be is it may be linked also they might have the ability to interact with their simulator with this and take driver inputs 
so that when the drivers show up, they, they, they have tuned the car to the driver inputs on the simulator and they're already starting from there. Wow. Where everybody else is having to do that on Friday. So when you say the Red Bull looked really good, are you just saying there was not a lot of roll? It just looked solid? It looked planted around the corners? It, it was really, if you watch them going into and out of the corners, and particularly when they were close to the Mercedes, I just feel like they are going to have more corner speed next year than Mercedes will. Okay. And you had some comments about the race as well. Now, firstly, how do you what Do you watch the American commentary? Do you? Or do you watch the UK stuff somehow? No, and, and apologies to Will Buxton because I always enjoy his segments, but I have limited <laughs> amount of space on the old uh, monitor here. No, I, I usually watch the Sky coverage, and that's what I watched this time around. I was able to, I was able to, um, <clears throat> without breaking any laws at all, I swear. Well, no, you just you popped over to England for a little while, as is your want to do, to watch the race, then jetted back. That's what your Patreon dollars are paying for, and that's private red jet, hashtag blessed. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and I can only say thank you again to all of those of you on Patreon who have made such things possible for us here at Missed Apex Podcast. Seriously, though, thank you, really. Thank you to the Patreon guys. Um, do you ever catch the Channel 4 coverage? So you only catch Sky? I, you, basically, I stick with Sky, sort of like the devil you know. Yes. Uh, so, so I have a K. I've seen what I, I've wanted to watch Channel Four for the practices, but it's also kind of going away for live coverage, isn't it? Anyway, so. So you're one of these though. You watch the live timings as well, and I've never been sold on it. You've been saying to me for the last three years, get a live timing app, and I can't quite see what value it gives. Okay. All right. Well, I, the thing is, you can't until you experience it. Until you're used to looking at it. But well, how much I'll, am I paying? I'll, how much am I paying for the app? I don't know. I pay 26 bucks for it. I think you have to pay more because you're British. And yeah, therefore, that's like a thousand know. sterling now. So, all right, I'll look yeah. into it. I'll look into it. So what do I get for that timing app? What, you literally see the little guys going around a screen? Yes. Well, here's the things you get. Number one, you get the GPS trackers. And you get the ability to hone in on a single driver. And you also get the ability to download the, the race after the package. Wow. The, the the race after it's done as a package. So I can download the race and I can go back and look at any part of the race I want to over and over again. But what where it's really useful, it is especially through pit stops, is you can see people's in laps and out laps. You can see yeah. people setting fast laps. You can see people setting personal best. They, the names automatically go when they go into the pit stops and they tell you yellow flags, cautions and anything. So you get the track and then you're going to have the timings up on top. And then I set that up in front of my monitor with the, the video and I watch the race and I watch the time. So you're sat there and we've got Rosberg out on medium tires and Lewis out on soft tires. And, and you get all that information about what tires everyone's on. Yeah, you get really? all the information about tires and everything. See, this is it. So I've always wondered, like, how does Matt keep a track of all this strategy? So this is it. This is your little cheaty app that lets you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is the same stuff that the TV commenters get. They get more stuff than this, of course. But, you know, we, this is plenty good enough if you're sat at home and it adds a whole extra dimension. Because if you're watching two people who are on different strategies or on different tires, you can look at their lap times. You can look, yeah. I could look at the lap times of Lewis on his soft and Rosberg on his mediums and see how they compare. Honestly, as a kid, as a kid yeah. watching it in the 80s, 90s, I swear that the main graphic they always had on was the gaps between two particular cars. And you could watch that lap after lap. And that was like one of the key things to watch. Well, you have to wait quite a, lo a long time for this graphics. And what they do on Sky as well, they, they switch between the graphic that tells you the gap from the leader and then the graphic that tells you the, lap, the, the gap from the car in front. So you're always having to try and work out, wait, 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 is that, is that the gap from fourth to fifth or is that his gap, you know, to the leader, especially when it goes over to the next set of timings on the second screen? It's really hard to keep track of. It is. And the app gives you both of those, or, or at least it does on, on, on one of the screens. But what it also does, it'll tell you like their best sectors and there's, there's a whole, but I digress. Really, it's so it's useful. So there you are. You look and you're like, what's the delta for the pit stop around 22 seconds? Lewis, you can see who he's going to come out behind before he even goes into pits. 
And when he's on the track and Rosberg's on the track and you're like, oh, it looks like Lewis is really not making good use of his soft tires. Rosberg's going faster than by half a second. You can look at the track and see that Lewis is trying to navigate around Gutierrez and Perez. Right. And Rosberg's in clear air. So you can immediately say, well, OK, <laughs> we're just going to ignore that particular comment, aren't we? Uh, exactly. So when what we've seen so often is say a six second gap from the Mercedes and and someone chasing them down that would have been especially handy in Singapore when Ricardo was was hunting down Rosberg and you suddenly went wow that gap's shot down that must mean he's about to catch but I guess if we'd have had that app we'd have just seen oh no he was catching traffic through through those sections and that's what held him up yeah, exactly. And and similarly, you can make you can make you can say, oh, he's catching him. But look, he you know, he's 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 on in the 20th lap on soft tires and he's been running this pace the whole time. You know, he's got some in the bag to give away there when, when he when it starts to get too close, you know, and you can see, the, you know, by half a second, suddenly someone's pace will pick up and you'll be like, oh, maybe, you know, pit stop window. Here they go. This is going to be their end lap. They've been told to pick up the pace and then you'll hear the radio message. So it kind of adds an extra dimension to what you're seeing on the screen. And two, you can go, if you're interested in a midfield battle, you can just scroll through and see, oh, look, here's a gap that's less than a second. Oh, look, they're not showing it on TV. Oh, look, <laughs> it's Hulkenberg and Massa. This ought to be fun. What was Summers F1 saying to us about that he someone was trialing an app that could let you pick which onboard you wanted to watch? Because that, that would be amazing. It's so frustrating sometimes. You see a great onboard and then they flick away and you go, no, 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 I just wanted to see. I wanted to see how it looks. How are they catching corner to corner? That would be yeah, amazing. Well, uh, this would be, I think, a beta of the app, the Formula One app that I'm running right now. And this is technology that IndyCar has had since, I don't know, 2012 or something. The ability to go on board with a single driver and watch the race from their perspective. Even football has it. Even soccer has it where you can have a player cam and you can pick which player to track and watch him off the ball as well. Really? Well, that's pretty interesting. I I, I, I wasn't aware that that such things existed. But yeah, this is this technology is in in many sports where uh, WEC has it too, where you can pick. You can watch from the car if you prefer, rather than the world feed. Oh, I would, I would love that. I would, especially if you're watching it back on a replay or highlights. You could go right. You could watch the race for the full drama of it, and then switch when you watch the highlights back or something. Well, maybe not highlights, but you know what I mean. You can pick a section of it and go right. I want to watch the last six laps from Lewis Hamilton's point of view only. Boom. Yeah, yeah, and then you could order some pizza and watch him playing. Nintendo Mario Kart on his dashboard because <laughs> nobody was really close to him. Oh, I know, but he was saying afterwards, he was saying um, he was haunted by the sound he heard in Malaysia. And to be honest, I was I was worried, waiting for his engine to blow up, hoping Rosberg's might as well. Because, but I'm neutral. Obviously, I'm neutral. Uh, but even when he did the weaving at the end before the checkered flag, I'm like, man, with the luck you've had this season, stop weaving, you lunatic! Just go straight for the line. Well, and and that's interesting you bring that up because one thing we know uh, from post-race interviews and, and whatnot, or at least I've read online, is that Mercedes have actually, you know, they've never properly explained exactly what happened to Lewis's engine. Blew they expected up. the F1 press to forget about it entirely, and so they have. We've heard not a word from any of the outlets about it, but we did hear that they were running uh, uprated fuel oil pumps. Yeah this this weekend so that's a part that they have upgraded since since the um shall we say the big bang as it were and we also know that they had to replace lewis's fuel system you know for the avoidance of any doubt but it seemed to be implied that there were some parts they would also have liked to replace that they couldn't because it would have incurred a penalty ah that's interesting yeah and you say the you say the media haven't aren't we Aren't we a form of media? Don't we count? Ah, oh, then that makes us brilliant because we're the first one to point it out. Brilliant. So mm, correct indeed. and first on this occasion. All right, then. So <laughs> uh, this is actually nice to have this little opportunity to do this. And, and guys, bear in mind that I'm not editing it. I'm not touching it up. So you can hear all the slurpings of the whiskey. But we both have a little bit of that on the go. Mine's Southern Comfort. Um, but we obviously every single time I stop recording the podcast, I think, oh, why didn't I talk about that? Ah, why didn't we focus on, on such and such? And Matt, you bring up the point, although we focused on Alonso hitting Massa, and we talked a lot about track limits and, and a lot about how um, the racing rules 
surrounding the Massa and Alonso hit, like who was to blame and all that kind of thing. But we really didn't talk about what was a really great battle for ages between Sainz, Massa and Alonso. Yeah, well, I mean, we we could spend a whole podcast just talking about Carlos Sainz's race. I mean, he did he was gifted as was Rosberg by the virtual safety car if memory serves correct correctly to an extent, but he put that car into Q3 and qualifying, which is astonishing yeah. given the total lack of engine they have at this point. And having done that, and I think this is the part that really I, I wish they had talked about more when it was going on. His whole last stent was not on the medium tire. It was on the soft tire. So he was hanging on. Yeah. And you, I'm looking at him and it says soft tire lap 24. And he's fighting with cars who are on the medium tire six laps younger. And, 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 you know, Massa obviously could not get around him, which I know may not be a big surprise. I know. But even, but think about the advantage entailed. He's got a Mercedes engine. He's got fresher tires (laughs) and they're mediums. And the poor, poor man still cannot get the job done. And while he's in the midst of, uh, and I was just like, I was just hanging on because, you know, Mm -hmm. Carlos runs my number. So I have to be a fan of his. He runs number 55. That's my Twitter number. So Yeah, why, why and, is that? Why is Matt PT55? What's that from? Well, well, you, you may know in, in my entirely less than illustrious past that I used to race two-wheeled conveyances. Uh, uh, yes, then this was the size of your cog. This was the size of my front chain wheel that I ran uh, in time trials. It was a 55 tooth. I ran a 55-42, which is, well, yes, rather large. I guess we could say it that way. So you were the um, big cog. Like You're the big cog, that. 55. Yeah. Good. Okay, so Pretty Carlos much. Sainz, he, he runs your number. He's he's a massively impressive guy. He's he's done really well there. We probably did Massa a disservice by just going, well, show, show, shows how unimpressive he is. But, you know, Carlos is is a definite talent. And if you think Max Verstappen is amazing, you, you have to say that Sainz is, is about as good. Yeah, and not only signs, but I'll be honest, if we think back to the beginning of the season, which Red Bull was on the podium in China? Oh, that's right. It was Kvyat, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't think for all, for all everyone was like, oh, he needs, he's raw, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's crashing into Vettel. I mean, geez, Vettel's been doing a fantastic Maldonado <laughs> impression lately. We'll get on that. Hardly, that hardly means anything. <laughs> the poor, the only disadvantage Kvyat had is he didn't have the same reputation yeah. as Vettel because he wasn't stuck in a car that kind of like the Mercedes now, could pretty much bully its way up and down the grid whenever it felt like it. So Sainz finishes sixth. He's not doing his reputation any harm at all. And he's, no, he, he almost finished fifth. It I was know. so close. He was he made Alonso earn. And Alonso passed him like off track. And <laughs> he, he broke every role, rule in a book to get past Sainz. And Sainz the whole time was like, I knew I would never be able to hold him off. Yeah. He says, I just want to kind of make it hard for him. Yeah, well, don't, don't take anything away from <laughs> Alonso either. Because, I mean, Bradley Philpott got really angry with me for for, for not hating the track limit leniency if you like but what it did see because they were allowed to run off track without penalty they they were using all of it and it made some of the overtaking a little bit interesting yeah you know who used that really well was verstappen turn 19 getting around raikkonen at the beginning if i'm remembering that battle correctly at one point i know he was well off track going into Mm -hmm. an ultimate turn and he he got ahead that way yeah, and by, then, by going going outside. So no, I don't think you can argue as Whiting often does that if we're not going to penalize it, the drivers not gaining time. They're clearly gaining time in certain areas by being able to go wide. Well, they've got another option now. It was it was a bit le- it was a bit clumsy the way Alonso finally ended up getting past signs because that was not deliberate. He broke late and then he was able to rescue it by by going off track and and just about hold on to it. But there was a couple of other maneuvers where. He kept his foot in on the exit when normally he might have had to, you know, sacrifice to stay online. And he decided, I'll keep my foot in. I'll risk going on that red stuff, which I assume is is suboptimal for grip. And I'll assume is a bit dustier. But he decided to take that risk to try and get a bit of an extra drive on Carlos. And it didn't work. But at least we could kind of see them using their brains a little bit more. And I'm all in favor of that. Just, you know, let them use the exits, let them use the runoffs. But They've, they've got to get back on track eventually anyway. So I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind there was sort of a risk reward going on. 
Yeah, I, I'm still a fan of the, the of the grass verge and stuff like that. But clearly, the modern tracks, this is not where we're going to have. And I would go so far as to say that if you're looking at a battle like that, to let Alonzo have a run and be able to bail out of it without getting ahead, you know, would be better than seeing him end up in the wall because then 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 you get more creative, then you get more attempts at overtakes in more unusual places. Well, this is it. Because if, if it goes yeah. wrong, it's not a race ending. Well, this, this is the point. I didn't want to push it with Badley because he... Because I, I, I do see his point. I see his point that it's, you know, maybe it's making a bit of a mockery of it and people who don't know what they're looking for just think, oh, well, what are they doing? But I, I do I do remember 15, 20 years ago, cars being beached for attempting an overtake and either A, it just ruined the race because you had a car completely out of it. So instead of watching these two cars going around, it's one car going around on its own, one stuck in the gravel trap. The other one is you've got a lot more trilly trains because the price of getting your overtaking manoeuvre wrong was so high. You know, now you saw Alonso really, really going for it. And I don't know. For me, I, it didn't ruin the experience for me. Well, I think I, I think the happy medium there would, is clearly that if you go for an overtake and you go all four wheels off, it needs to happen in such a way that you cannot get ahead of the car you were trying to get around yeah i think a, stri- and, and a strip of grass maybe would be the good compromise, a, a yeah. grass verge is one that comes up an awful lot and if you go way too far off i don't have a problem with you being in a gravel trap because then you you got it really really wrong yeah okay maybe, yeah, you didn't yeah. get it a little bit wrong it wasn't <laughs> like touch and go it was like oh i'm gonna go look the light's yellow oh it's turned red oh i've gone through the intersection you know you were never close to begin with and you shouldn't have done it in the first place but I'm surprised, really, truthfully, if you're having this discussion and you just didn't say to him, well, Bradley, it's not like anyone was penalized for it. Therefore, it's not wrong. <laughs> you didn't You didn't see the video stream. <laughs> you didn't see how mad he was at me. <laughs> uh, no, he was brilliant. And by the way, uh, if, I know you've not caught up with that whole show at all, but considering how many people couldn't make it for that late recording, to have... Tom Clancy, E-Radio show host, Jake Sanson, boss of Downforce Radio, no less, and Bradley Philpot, race of champions star, racing driver, racing instructor, instructor, just turn up at 11 o'clock on Missed Apex. Just, it just made me feel so, so lucky as a, as a podcast producer, podcast host. Oh yeah, well, and you should have. It was a great. I have. It's not like I've listened to none of the show. I just haven't made it to all because I have no earphones for my subway commute, so my listening time's more limited. But it was, uh, what were you talking about? Track limits. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a happy medium there. Uh, oh, and I, I, you, you go back and forth. But I'm in favor of of encouraging the drivers to try overtaking maneuvers. Okay, two more things. Two more things. Right. Lap one, turn one. There, there was a bit of drama that got lost because everyone was looking at uh, what would happen with Rosberg Hamilton. And then also, you know, what could happen in the championship next week? So a, a little tiny bit of a Mexico preview. But on, on lap one, um, we saw Sebastian Vettel make contact with uh, Valtteri Bottas via uh, sort of Newton's cradle effect with Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg ended up with, I think, suspension damage and Bottas got a puncher. But this is not the first lap one incident Vettel has been involved in this year and I ended up having a big argument with Fortis who is at Negus44 and there is an article on SpannersReady.com coming out because I just think it's another example of Vettel being a little bit desperate having a lack of awareness on turn one and once again making contact Spa he made contact by by just cutting the apex and expecting cars to disappear I think here he expected cars to disappear he punted Rosberg where in Malaysia and and I'm sure there's another what one. What about I'm... China with Fiat? <laughs> well, I mean, and Raikkonen. I mean, just yeah. you could go on and on and on. His driving reeks of desperation it at does. this point. It does. And Raikkonen, for, for goodness sakes, Raikkonen is starting to like look like the best driver in that team. He is. For big chunks of the weekend, that can't be reassuring to him. You no. Know? No. It, Even though we yeah. know Raikkonen doesn't care. It can't be reassuring to Vettel to to be looking at a boss like Marchione. Well, well, I'll tell you what then. Last season, last season, it felt very much like Vettel was the number one driver and Kimi was the number two driver. Not really getting that impression 
at the moment. No, no, so, no. And when you have a boss as helpful and supportive as Marchione, who's like, you know, if, if we feel you're not doing your job, we'll fire you any second. Yeah, that was a weird and thing to say. You're, you're looking <laughs> at your results compared to Raikkonen, for yeah, goodness sakes. I know, I know. Well, not uh, to denigrate Raikkonen, but I mean, come on. The, the thought I was having was, is Vettel spent no. four years in such a privileged position in a car that really suited him, in a teammate that was struggling to get to grips with that style of driving, and it's almost now like he's having to start his career again again almost like a rookie finding his feet in the midfield in the mid pack except he's got this massive burden of reputation and those two things ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There was an instruct. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Red Bull and let's go back to those brief five or six weeks when suddenly Mark Webber looked so much better than Vettel. And let's consider that the are, are reason you that was early 2013. Yeah, the yep. reason that was, and, and, and you're going to know why, and I know the look on your face, but I'm going to say this word anyway tires. Boring. Boo. Tires. They they went to Kevlar sidewalls. It ruined the aerodynamics at a Red Bull. And suddenly Mark Webber could drive the wheels off the Red Bull. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Sebastian Vettel could not until the tires all blew up at Silverstone. And then they decided to go back to the old tires. And then suddenly Vettel was he won every king single at a castle race. Yeah, that was the worst. <laughs> yeah, he won every single race in the back end of 2013 didn't he and so yeah. and so he he wrote it out till the regulations changed and we saw him against ricardo although to be fair ricardo is the real deal ricardo mm-hmm. is a world championship mm-hmm. driver i put him on a par with alonso and lewis yeah i said a couple of weeks ago he could be the best driver on the grid right now he he really he he has that particular thing that that race drivers have um but if we go back to Vettel's start, you know, he, he made his name driving driving for Toro Rosso in the wet. He got that podium position and it put him on the map. So we know he's not incapable as a driver. But let's look at somebody else who was in a class leading car and got punted to the midfield and how they've struggled. Who could that be? Oh, his friend, Daniel Kvyat. Yep. Who was looking fairly, not perfect, but pretty racy in that Red Bull. I mean, he was certainly trying to give Ricardo a run for his money. And in Tararaso, look at how long it has taken him to try and readjust. He finally had his first good race. What was it? Just two weeks ago. I remember you making the point when Ricardo came first got to Red Bull that first season. And you said he's come from a Tararaso that's a pig to drive to suddenly go into a Red Bull that is planted. And Vettel was coming from a car that was perfectly designed for him to suddenly, you know, an engine formula instead of an out-and-out aero formula and he'd lost his double diffuser and all the rest of it. Um, So we're seeing the reverse of that. And we saw Max Verstappen at Monaco hitting that inside barrier a couple of times um, past the swimming pool because it was just turning in that much better than his Toro Rosso. So what you're saying is we've got the reverse effect for Kvyat and and Vettel now, especially with Ferrari struggling with downforce. I think that's one of their main issues, is it? 
Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, I, having had this chat with Summers, they had very, very tricky arrow, lots of lots of finicky arrow. And it seemed to be Ferrari. very susceptible. Ferrari, Ferrari yeah, yeah. Seemed to be very susceptible to all sorts of crosswinds and all sorts of this and that and the other. So it was easy to upset the aero balance of the car. And when that happened, it was very hard to drive. And we know, for example, one of the things Ferrari said about this weekend's race is Vettel wound up with a big chunk of rubber stuck in his rear wing that's, that, that lost him a, a fair piece of downforce. He had, that, he had that moment where he almost lost the car. And, and that was a radio message that we heard mm -hmm. uh, about that. So, you know, it, it takes a while to adapt to a new car. And adaptability has always sort of been the hallmark of your very, very best drivers. You put them in anything and within a lap or two, they're starting to get a handle on it. And I think last year's Ferrari was better than this year's Ferrari. Yeah. And kind of like Williams, they seem to have struck out in a mostly incomplete direction and then also done a bad job of it as well. Paul Williams. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, I've never really rated Vettel. And it's very hard to say you don't rate a driver when he's just won four title, titles in a row. But his legacy is a, is a little bit under threat. If he keeps, if he stays in F1 and he loses to Ricardo, and you can give him his excuses for that. And then say he ends up being outperformed by Kimi next season. And we make excuses for that. Presumably he's not going to retire at the end of that. He's got to start beating teammates at some point. Or his legacy is is on sort of ten, ten, tenterhooks. Yeah, see, and, and this is, I think, and, and this may be something that Ricardo eventually comes across too. But where Lewis and Alonso are different is we've seen them have success in different teams. Yeah. And against different teammates. So we, you know that they're capable of driving cars with different characteristics and solving that puzzle. With Vettel, he had a lot of success all in a row at exactly one team with a very specific set of characteristics. And perhaps kind of like Button, should those characteristics come back around yeah. in the regulations, we could see him achieve that success again. But what he's not demonstrated to the same level as Alonso and Hamilton Okay, so let's pretend we're in my marriage. We can't just say it's a no-blame situation. We have to establish blame for turn one because I had a big argument with our friend Fortis uh, at Nagus44. Great guy. Normally, yep. we'll take every opportunity to attack Sebastian Vettel. So when he turns around and says, no, you are, he says to me basically, you are looking at Sebastian Vettel through his reputation this season and if it was anyone else you would say he had the line and it was his line uh, to me it looked reckless how did you see it first off give me a summary well actually it's funny you should ask I happen to have it queued up right here yeah and here's and here's how I saw it as I as as we launch into this we've got Lewis Rosberg and then Ricardo and we got Reich and Verstappen Vettel out to the outside and then um, further back, we have Botas and Hulkenberg side by side with Perez behind him. And as we come up, now, now the first um, thing that happens yeah. before we even get to turn one, and I, this really precipitated it all for me, and, and is that Botas and Hulkenberg make contact before well they get to turn one. Well short of the apex. Uh-huh. Right. Well short of the apex. And when they make contact, it now points Hulkenberg away from the apex and directly at the, the side pod of Vettel. You say that, but by the time they get to the apex, Hulkenberg couldn't go any more left. He's, he's as up against Bottas as he could be. Right. So, but so this, all, is, this all, has already spoiled Hulkenberg's route through the turn. Sure. But what it's really done, the net effect is that Hulkenberg is just a little further back than he would have been. So he's ruined his chance of being alongside Bottas going into that turn. But he's still he's still in the mix. His front wing is still up alongside Vettel's rear tires. Right. And so as we go a little bit further, what we see is <clears throat> Verstappen on pretty much the wrong side of the apex. He managed to hit the apex with his right front tire and his left rear yeah. tire with so, the entire rest of his car to the so other side. So let's be clear. Uh, Verstappen is the car ahead of this battle we're talking about, and he's got it Kimi is. on his right-hand side. Now, I think that the line Kimi took was the, what Vettel should have taken as well. He's left 
you know, more or less, he's he's gone. If you look at Kimi, he's actually a little bit wider of Max, and he's left enough room for Max to be on the track, even though Max has cut the apex a little bit. Um, now, Kimi's then pointed his car to the outside of turn one, then expecting that Max wouldn't run him off on the outside, having been given room. Now, ever since I've been watching F1, that's, that tends to happen. You get two cars widths through the first corner. And yeah, you have well, to t- Kimi, Kimi is, looks to be trailing Ricardo yeah. to the outside of Ricardo. Uh, but he seems to be pretty dead on the apex. And Verstappen is actually to the inside of the apex. And this is where trouble starts, because if you go back further... You've still got Hulkenberg pointed slightly the wrong direction from banging off wheels with Botas. Yeah. Botas looks to try and be following Kemi through the apex. Uh, he's a little inside, but he's not pointed the same direction. Following Max, following Max through. Sorry, he's trying to follow Verstappen through the apex. He's, well, he's trying to follow Raikkonen through the apex. Oh, Vettel is. Because uh, right. Verstappen, yes. remember, was going to go inside, yep. almost the wrong side of the apex. <laughs> just, he just and, about kept wheels on. Yeah, and, and Kimmy's like at your normal apex point here and, and just to the outside of and behind Ricardo. And it looks like Vettel is literally trying to follow the exact same line as Raikkonen. See, that's where it you and me disagree. Like, I don't think he makes it. I think he's closer to the apex, but we can disagree about that. Well, I'm, I'm, just, looking, I'm just looking at it as it is now with Raikkonen sat on the apex and okay. Vettel approaching it. Sure. And you've got Botas, who uh, clearly is not anywhere near following Verstappen across the inside to avoid a collision. And you've got Vettel looking to follow Raikkonen. And in between the two of them, you have a Hulkenberg sandwich. Okay, but despite all that, despite all that, let's just say that technically Vettel's correct here. If he turns in on the apex with two cars crowded on the inside, two cars, you've got to think he's kind of the designer of his own doom, if you like. Well... Yeah, to a certain extent, except for even where it is now with Hulkenberg pointed towards Vettel and and Botas also pointed towards the apex. The real collision looks like it's going to be between Botas and Vettel. But Hulkenberg is stuck. He can't back out of it. He just becomes the conduit for it. Well, here's the thing. He's got Botas rear wheels on one side and he's got Sebastian's rear wheels on the other side so even if he were to want to lift at this point there's still going to be wheel you know he's going to get hit by their rear wheels on his front right or front left corner or possibly both so as we proceed into the corner it's it's Vettel that tags him and he is he does look like he turned in and went inside of the line that no he's he's maybe half a car to the inside of a Raikkonen yeah, but that, which and, is which is inside. And it wound up, yeah. yeah, and it wound up being his rear wheels that hit that took him out, and and Botas wound up pretty much following the uh, Verstappen line, going just dead inside. But here's the problem: as fans, yeah. we're sitting here trying to decide whose fault it is, and I love doing this in football. As kids, you grew up, there were whole like books that would say, "You are the referee. Here's this situation. You make the call." But you can't do that in F1. You can't play the "You are the steward" game because there's a fundamental problem that the rules just don't seem adequately written to deal with collisions in corners. On a straight, before the braking zone, rules are absolutely clear. Yet in the corners, we sort of rely on myth, tradition, and then the whim of the stewards. Because in turn one incidents, you pretty much have to get out of the car and shoot someone before you, you get a penalty. So yeah. it's, just, it's lawless. It is completely... Well, I wouldn't call it lawless, but... All right, well, what do you, what do you have to do to get a penalty in turn one? Did... did did Vettel get a penalty for punting Rosberg in Malaysia? No. Did he get a penalty? Um, I can't remember. But do you know what I mean? No, That's a, I mean, I mean Kvyat got the penalty. Yeah. I, 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 Grosjean got kicked out for his thing in Spa. It's not It's not unheard of. Yeah. So, so, so you're saying, but he had to mount a car to get kicked out. Yeah. It has to be egregious beyond yeah. all measure, pretty much. It, I mean, because it is. It, it's just kind of not to navigate through there. If, if you're going to call it anybody's fault, I'd say probably, you know, initially it was Botas making contact with Hulkenberg to set the whole thing in motion. But, but he's, that, was, but, that was the lynch. But here's the problem, because some people say, oh, OK, just just let them race. Don't have any rules. Just let them race. Well, OK, but in what manner shall we race? Because this is one of my biggest frustrations in karting on tight tracks. And this is probably why I don't go indoor karting a lot, because mm-hmm. effectively the rudest person succeeds. And there's such a small line between, you know, rubbing, real racing and getting applauded for that. 
and then barging and having everyone think you're a cabbage head. The, the, the line for that is completely, it's almost arbitrary and it just changes from race to race. So why not just have some clear rules? Why not say in that position, Vettel, because there was any part of the car alongside your rear wheel, you have to give room. Or Vettel, you're half a car ahead, therefore that's your corner. Bottas, it's up to you to get out of the way. How hard would it be just to pen some straight rules so that we all know what we're looking for instead of seeing a collision looking to the skies, seeing the stewards not make a decision because they're the invited friends of the FIA. It's just, it's mind-boggling. And we just have to just sit there and just go, oh, well, let's just accept it. If you're going to invest emotionally in a driver, in a team, you want to be able to know if it was his fault or whether he did anything wrong. And these drivers, they're racing to different rules as well. Verstappen was racing to a completely different set of rules to everybody else. That's been clarified now. Don't move in the braking zone. Finally, They've clarified it or they've pointed to the rules that say you can't do it. Why can't they just do that for, for all the other corners? Let's have a set of rules for the corners. Rant over. Sorry. No, that's okay. It, it's, it would be very convenient. And it puts me in mind of, if I'm slightly political, listening to Donald Trump describe his plans for beating ISIS. I'll get all the generals together. We'll have a plan and we'll go over there and beat Are you comparing them. me to Trump? It doesn't. It, it sounds very pretty. Wrong. But... It's not very realistic. And frankly, the turn one incident is a classic example of it. Whose fault is it really? If, he, if I had to assign blame, I'd say initially it was Botas because it looks like he purposely made contact with Hulkenberg and tried to shove him off of his line. I disagree. Blame? Vettel's fault. I would, to- I would totally put it there. Vettel was avoiding Botas. I don't think he ever even knew Hulkenberg was there. I think he was paying attention to something different. He didn't know it was there. But the rule is fairly, you know, causing a collision, which means that what you did could that the situation you put yourself into where the collision happened was one that could have been avoided. And in turn one at the start of a Grand Prix, that is where a lot of collisions happen and where they are all least avoidable because there are so many people trying to do so many things at exactly the same time that it's not realistic to expect them to always be on top of all of it. No, but up and down the grid, you had the cars on the outside, leave room on the apex. It's a big wide turn. They all pointed to the exit of the corner and you can get an advantage by putting your foot out. And actually, if you look, all the cars on the outside, apart from Rosberg, got the advantage on the exit. So I just, I think Vettel was absolutely nuts to try and come from, he basically took a normal racing line in turn one. He came from the outside and then came all the way to the apex and expected did, to go all the way out to the outside. I think that's bonkers. Did you see that picture of uh, turn one? Yeah. That Mercedes tweeted. No. Now they reached. They they tweeted it was turn one had all blah 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 blah. And then above it inset they had a, a a line drawing of like the perfect line through the turn. Okay. Yeah. Which basically came from the outside back to the inside over like three or four car widths. Okay. Oh, like it was very and sharp, I, very sharp in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, 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 really. If you, if you were running it and 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 qualifying, this is the line you would take to to carry maximum speed through the turn. Make your point, you drunk American git. Uh, I'm not drunk. This is my problem. This is one of my many <laughs> problems. My point being, I retweeted that line and said it looked more like the perfect collision line for the start of the Grand Prix. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and it turned out to pretty much that was the yeah, case. Uh, it was a perfect collision line. Anyone trying to close down on the apex from about from more than one car width outside is taking their car's help into their own hands. You'd think the drivers would learn this, and they do. But if you're in a position where you don't sense the driver behind you is there, and you're going to go for the most efficient route. And I know, think that's what happened. Do you know what annoys me about that start? Right, I'm, I, I don't hate Nico Rosberg in any way, shape or form. I just think Hamilton's the better driver. He's my guy. I, I think most people would agree with you, but continue. What annoys me is that Ricardo was saying that there's a big wide turn into turn one. That inside line is there for the taking for me to go and, and take one or two of the Mercs. Rosberg knew this. He still, he probably got the better start from Hamilton and he sat behind Hamilton trying to get a good run out, I guess, paid no attention to the Red Bull coming up the inside line and got totally mugged on the inside. And it just seemed brainless. Why? Ricardo told you exactly what he was going to do. It was like a, um, what's that bank robbery movie with George Clooney? 
Ocean's Eleven. Like he laid the plan out with a montage and then we saw it happen in real time. Anyway, uh, let's just quickly finish off by saying what could happen in the championship in Mexico. It's a track I like. I love that stadium section, even though they got it wrong for Formula E. It's a low altitude track. It's going to be hard to follow. Overtaking is going to be hard. But if Hamilton... High altitude. High, what did I say? Low. Well, that's nearly the same, just the opposite. But anyway, you know what we could do, and this is true, we could now argue about whether it's high downforce or low downforce at a fast track. I saw an argument in a comment section once that went on for five pages <laughs> about people saying it's Monza is low downforce. And, and the other person was like, no, no, it's not. It's very, very high downforce. The speeds are incredible. Literally. Well, well, hang on. It must be it's a high downforce track because they have to deliberately stall the wing to get rid of Monza, all that downforce. Monza, you run less downforce because the speeds are high it generates more downforce exactly so what are we talking about are we talking the amount of downforce that is generated or and the this, amount this of downforce you what they were arguing about one person was taking one definition of right, high okay. downforce the other was taking the other definition of high downforce so but we continue it is a high altitude track mm-hmm. it does make following farther yeah but if hamilton's car blows up which is just as likely as it not happening, and Rosberg wins the race. Nico Rosberg is the Formula One world champion 2016 with two races to go. Who who saw that coming? Um, I don't think anyone did until his uh, until Hamilton's em- engine imploded in Malaysia. Shocking. And, and, and let's just remind ourselves, this time last year, it was Lewis Hamilton already world champion. Yeah. And uh, he would go on to lose six straight races to Rosberg. Well, I think we've definitely lived up to the name of this episode, which was Wafflecast. That's what we were going to call it. Just jumping on generally and having a bit of an F1 run. So I hope the listeners will hold us to a lower standard in general to the other show. But we can still advertise stuff, can't we? The lower the better. Absolutely. And, you know, we could also talk about Mexico a little bit because it's not been Lewis's best track, has it? I can't remember. And I'm sleepy now. Oh, okay then. Dodge that all you like. Dodge that bullet all you like. I don't think it's been his best track. It'll be interesting to see what he turns up with this week. That's what I will say. Good. Okay. Can we go? Back? Should we go? Shall I go to bed? Yeah, go to bed. I think that'll be good. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? Point them to it. You can find me at my at mattpt55. Note the 55 on the Twitters. Anytime you like, say hi. Ask me a question. Whatever. Have you All seen good. Have you seen the Mist Apex t-shirts available for the UK people? I have. Oh, uh, thank you for making those available in the US. I will, I will, I will. But it took all my ability to manage to make that little app work to do it in the UK and EU. You can get it in the EU. Sorry, I was wrong about that. Um, I will do exactly the same thing for the US guys as well. Uh, just bear in mind when you order it, it's a campaign that runs to the end. So you have to wait the full 14 days of the campaign before it's delivered. But it is only available for the next nine days, I think, the UK one. And then the US one will also be available for 14 days. Why not come and join us at SpannersReady.com? I have summarized the argument I had with Fortis uh, into an article Um and I'm not going to change it at all just because Matt has made some sense on some stuff. I'm going to leave my my initial opinions up on there. We've got a new writer on there as well who's done a great race review. We've got Stephen Williams. Uh, Forces. we have the fat hippo, but he's got a girlfriend, so he hasn't posted much. Who else do we have on there? Who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Oh, no, we have Carlo Carluccio. And he has started his own blog page on there, which is basically him yelling at clouds about F1 history and his opinion. Cannot wait for him to get going on that. Uh, We've published three articles, I think, and there's another three to go. And he's on a big writing trip at the moment. So if you enjoy F1 history, that's that's where to go. Who else have we got? Who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Come on. Who have I left out? Uh, If Stephen Williams. Cords? If I've if I've left. Oh, Michael Cords, of course, our American, our American writer. He's uh, he's probably the best one. It's probably the best one, to be honest. No offense to you other guys. Uh, Well, we Americans tend to be best. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say that out loud. But also find me on Twitter at SpannersReady.com. And I really, really hope you enjoyed our Ferrari parody. A lot of you were saying that you enjoyed the girls doing the parody songs instead of me, which hurts, if I'm honest. That genuinely hurt, but say la vie. So you can catch them on SoundCloud. Search Spanners Ready. You can catch both parodies that we did there. Until next time, wounds heal, chicks dig scars. And glory lasts forever. This is Mr. Apex Waffle.
breaking news. We may have Craig Norman from Badger GP joining us again on the Mexico Review Show. Hopefully you can make that, Matt, can you? I, I will absolutely make that. And while we're talking about things that have happened, speaking of Malaysia... They might lose the, the, the race. They, they might lose might, it. It might be done. And Malaysia's like, we're not selling tickets. And we're like kind of sick of paying higher prices every year. So like maybe it's contract negotiations, but... I like that track. I like that track, and I liked Korea. But at the end of the day, the race. I like Korea because of that pickup truck that drove in front of all the F1 cars. (laughs) We did actually cover that. We covered that towards the end of the podcast. But no, I like that track genuinely. But you've got to go to the places that the F1. It's not fair. It's not fair to have these empty tracks when Britain could fill three Grand Prix a year. America could fill four Grand Prix a year. You know, now Bernie's not selling his his you know his races to the likes of Bahrain. Maybe we'll get that. But anyway. yeah, oh, Craig, that's nice. I mean, he's also said he loved the debate on the US GP show. I'm glad that that's being characterized as a debate and not just people yelling at me because that's how it felt. Yes, well, good debates are always pretty much people yelling at you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.